0: Welcome to the inaugural episode of o Rising, an original podcast series produced by the American Academy of Orthotists and Prosthetists. I'm Glenn Thompson, Certified Prosthetist Orthotist at Rise Prosthetics and Orthotics and an emerging o clinician. With me today is Jared Howe. Jared Howe, MSPO, Licensed CPO, Fellow, is the Director of Prosthetic and Orthotic Care and Clinical Innovation at Baylor College of Medicine and was the Founding Director of Baylor College of Medicine's Master of Science in Orthotics and Prosthetics program. Jared is a past president and longtime member of the American Academy of Orthodox and and an active member of the Academy's Public Policy Committee. Jared dedicates time to clinically relevant research, education, business, and product development. He lives in Houston, Texas with his wife and four children. Welcome to the podcast, Jared. I'm excited to have you join me today to discuss the ever-important topic of building a professional network. Sure, some basic networking strategies translate across many professional disciplines, but there seems to be a specific art to establishing a solid yet dynamic network in OMP. Before we get started, do you mind introducing yourself a little bit more and explaining your background and how you
1: got into OMP? Yeah, that's a lot there, but thanks, Glenn. It's good to be on with you today. I appreciate it. This is going to be a kind of a fun and opportunity to discuss some of the things that we've done through the years. But for those of you that don't know me, I'm Jared Howell. I'm the director of the Center for Prosthetic and Orthotic Care at Baylor College of Medicine. I wear a few different hats. So I participate in education, academics, and product development as part of that role and, and other roles that I have. I've been in the field for a while at this point. So I would consider myself, unfortunately, I'm in the middle of my career, but I've been in the field for about 15 years, went to school at Northwestern. A side background is in engineering, product development, and just being involved in ONP as much as I can. I'm certainly passionate about the field, passionate about the profession, passionate really about added recognition for orthodists and prosthetists as the health professionals that they are. So that's really, I think, what I'm all about. Awesome. And for myself, I've gotten a chance to work with you as a student,
0: colleague, and as a mentee. And I'm very appreciative of all your contributions to myself and to the profession as a whole. You extensively mentioned your, your different hats within the profession and your other initiatives. Can you talk about networking in particular and how it varies across your different domains, whether that's within O&P or representing yourself as a distinguished O&P professional to the other domains, whether that's the engineers, the researchers, or the policymakers in Washington, D.C.?
1: Can you talk about how your networking looks a little bit different? Yeah, I mean, that's a big question there, Glenn. You, you've you pulled a few <laughs> things, but well, let me try and tackle it from the top side first. Okay. Uh, first off, I'm just a normal guy and I enjoy being in the profession. And, and honestly, a lot of the networking that I've done has just been one-on-one. And so I feel privileged to know a number of people within the profession. All of them are wonderful. All of them have good hearts and, and the right approach, and they're trying to do the best thing for their patients. And so the thing that I've enjoyed perhaps most about being part of this profession is just hearing other people's stories. You know, And I know that we're here to talk about networking, and I learned a little bit more about that, but... Uh, I'll kind of start by saying that it's mostly for me about just that one-on-one connection, sitting with somebody at a meeting or at lunch, or just learning about what they do a little bit. I have to admit, I was influenced heavily by an old school book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I don't know that I remember much about that book, but as I started to get into networking, one of the things that I remembered is just this concept of inviting people to tell you what they do, tell you their story. And I think As far as impact, that has probably brought the greatest joy to me and the greatest experience as far as my networking within the field is just asking people about their story, where they're from, what they're doing and learning from them. I think the secondary part of networking that's been interesting is once you know their story, obviously there's probably connections to your own story. And so there's an opportunity to have just a back and forth discussion there. And that's been really rewarding as well. And oftentimes there's shared interest. And I think the other thing that oftentimes occurs is, you know, you have something that you can offer them and vice versa. They oftentimes have something that they can offer you. Not that you ever go into a a networking discussion or an introduction with that in mind, but, you know, oftentimes just being willing to help extend a hand, you know, offer some insight, connect them with somebody else can just be really valuable for both of you. So I don't think I've fully answered all of your questions there, but uh, hopefully gets us started, right?
0: Yeah, no, you absolutely did. And I think what you mentioned there was really valuable in that when you talk to these other people, it's hard to, especially as an OMP professional, it's hard to see how your paths may connect. And a lot of times for me, at least when I'm engaging with people who are outside of OMP, I'm very fascinated and surprised to find out how intertwined paths are and our connections are. And and that, and that really is helpful to forming those relationships. Now, on that note, not everybody. uh, Some people are more shy than others. I'm a little bit more outgoing than my wife, for example, and you know both of us, uh, but not all of us feel comfortable putting ourselves out there. So what recommendations would you have for those who may be a little bit more timid to have those one-on-one discussions or engagements, especially when it's
1: outside of our profession? Yeah, well, I think I'll be a little bit vulnerable here. I'm I'm not particularly shy, and I don't think anybody that knows me in the profession would say that I'm particularly shy or or at least shy away from sharing my own thoughts or experience. But in a networking situation, being put one-on-one, I think is an interesting thing. And for me, it's, you know, it's still a little bit awkward. You know, I've been in the field for a long time. I know lots and lots of individuals. I've had a number of different students, actually hundreds of students by this point that I've mentored and, and worked with in my role as an educator, and oftentimes you know, it's a, it's a, skill that's learned and it has to be practiced just to kind of give you an anecdote. I mean, I was at a Christmas party for our department the other day. This is the department of physical medicine rehab over here at one of the hotels, they book it out, you know, they've got hors d'oeuvres. Honestly, I walked in there and I probably knew about 5% of the people, even in our own department, because they work at different hospitals. And we just don't interface on a day-to-day basis. And I made a point, you know, anybody that was standing by themselves or looked like they were probably just as awkward as I was. I just said, Hey, how are you? And I introduced myself just by shaking their hand, got to know their name and just learned a little bit about their story. And so, like I said, it's a practice skill. I think just don't put too much pressure on yourself because all of us at any point in our career are just learning and just developing that expertise. I ended up having a great conversation with this guy at this Christmas party. He was the husband of one of our faculty members, hadn't met him before learned all about one of the Houston neighborhoods that he lives in, learned all about the things he likes to do, what his career path is, learned about a local theater here in the area. You know, there wasn't any agenda, wasn't anything else. But just as an example, that's kind of how the conversation can go if you just show genuine interest and and care about the people around you. Yeah, awesome. And now is he coming over to your house for Christmas dinner? (laughs) I don't think we're quite there yet. (laughs) Uh, But we did find a few things in common. And found out a couple of things about things I'd like to check out here in the Heights area of Houston. And so uh I definitely will be in touch there if those things shake out. Cool. Yeah, go on a few bro dates. That'd be awesome. Um
0: <laughs> so you're pretty distinguished, as I've noted, and and you've mentioned your your different roles. When did you begin to start realizing the importance of networking or, you
1: know, start to throw yourself out there to establish the connections you have now? Yeah, it's a great question. And if I'm totally honest with you. I don't know that there was ever a moment where I said, oh, I need to get out there. I need to show myself, do this. I guess I've never really had that mentality. <laughs> Maybe that's a, that's an odd thing now that I'm thinking about it. But I've, I've never actually really just sat there and said, okay, I need to network. I need to connect. I need to do this. Uh, but as there is somebody that I need to meet, you know, if there's somebody that I come across or s- somebody that I think would help out in a project that I'm working on, I'm not shy from reaching out and asking for a connection. And so I think that that's been really valuable in that regard. It's not that I actually have specifically said, I need to network. I need to do this. I need to meet six people at a meeting here. But for example, there was a physician here in Houston that has some things in common with some some of my interests. And I knew I had a friend that knew him. And so I recently just reached out to my friend and said, Hey, I know you work with this physician. Would you mind making an email introduction to me? I think it would be helpful to have a meeting and we, he made an introduction. It was very easy, went over and had lunch with both my friend and, and his coworker. And we had a great conversation about something that we're very interested in and probably will partner up on a couple of academic papers in the future as a result.
0: That's really cool. And it's cool to see how your network kind of branched out, you had a connection and you wanted to make a connection, there was a connection of your connection, um, and you used your existing network to establish that. So it's really cool how some things just happen organically like that. At what point in your career
1: did you start to get involved with the Academy and the different initiatives that the Academy has? I have to admit, I probably got involved in the Academy because of some of the mentors that I had. A couple of those that come to mind, Jeff Brandt, I ended up working for him very early on in his formation of Ability, and very early on in my career as well. In fact, he hired me right out of residency and I did the second half of my residency with him. But one of the things that he did at that point is he says, every one of our practitioners is going to be an Academy member. I was thankful for that. I actually didn't have a ton of connection before that. And I would say that we're much better with students at at the Academy level now. But at the time, I think it was still a little bit nebulous for me. And he says, you know, it's important that everybody is an Academy member. I think that's where my journey started. I think later in life, I also, or not too long, but several years later, I ended up taking a job at Northwestern as a faculty member and John Michael was there. And John Michael, of course, was an avid Academy supporter. And he essentially said, Hey, this is important. You need to be engaged. This is your profession. You need to begin to own it. And that just catalyzed everything. I think I officially got involved with the academy at the board level after working very hard to get some legal things changed in the state of Texas, believe it or not. Mm. And I think when we started the master's program at Baylor, the first thing that they said is when I, when I signed on and and got my contract and literally within the first week, he said, oh, by the way, I think you may have to change the law in the state of Texas to be able to offer the program like you want to offer. (laughs) I've been involved in advocacy and I spent the next year writing a new law meeting with congressmen and women in the state of texas driving out to austin to testify regularly unfortunately i had a mentor and support within baylor that does kind of some takes that role of governmental affairs so he, he helped to connect me with the people that were most important but we ended up both getting the law changed and putting a little bit better fence around our licensure law as we had several different individuals that came in when that law was opened up and changed that came in and tried to alter the licensure law and, and devalue the role of the prosthetist and orthodist. And so through that, you know, I was able to connect and network with several individuals in Texas. And honestly, I think that that's where the nomination came from, to be on the academy board, so it was really wholly as as a result of a different activity that I was involved in. That's so funny. Again, it's just another
0: example of how all your connections kind of connect to each other and your, your network just grows exponentially. It's really, really cool. And, and I want to circle back to one of your comments that you made that, you know, when you first started at Ability, you had that really powerful mentor and you were able to, to experience that during residency. And I want to almost tie that into, you know, my experience as a resident, obviously I was a, a student at Baylor College of Medicine with you when you were the program director and the residency model that, that we had set up for us, it really allowed us to establish a, an amazing network before we even became board eligible. So I think that was something that you perhaps, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you perhaps took from your experience and you really wanted to put a
1: focus on the the Baylor model that you helped create. Well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate hearing it from your perspective as well, right? If you you knew how many discussions we had about how to set this up and how to do this, because this is new for our profession, you'd probably laugh. But uh, the nice (laughs) thing is, is the students don't always see behind the curtain. But I would say that just to your point, that that was perhaps one of the greatest things that came out of that residency style. This concept of an integrated residency where you rotate through, I think at that time, you know, six different clinics over the course of your residency. It's a very structured residency, kind of controlled a little bit by the university. I think perhaps what the greatest value was was that connection that you had to both individuals, different styles of practice, And different techniques that came from that. So the breadth was incredible. I would be lying if I say we expected that or predicted that. (laughs) I'd I'd love to take credit for it. (laughs) Uh, You know, we knew that some of those things would occur, but I think that we could never have predicted to what extent that would have occurred. And that has really become a hallmark of that style of residency. And I feel very fortunate just to have been a part of it. Because simultaneously, where you were networking, that actually was a period of time where my network grew immensely because I was personally, as the program director, going out and visiting these sites all over the country at that time, just to try and get them set up, just to try and get people on board. So I ended up meeting wonderful people from all over the country, because we tried to visit on site where we possibly could, just to make sure that the experience would be something that our students would benefit from. And it took me as far away as even setting up a residency experience in Africa, which is not something that I would have ever predicted. But uh, But you can see that just through the normal course of your experience, if you're open to it and open to meeting people, how how your network can grow very, very quickly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it really helped me as a blossoming OMP professional find a first job, establish connections to now find a second job while all at the same time, especially during COVID. And I talked about this a lot at the last academy meeting, you know, when we were in COVID, it happened right when we had graduated and we were board eligible CPOs. So At that time, it was my wife and I in a clinic by ourselves and we're just two new clinicians. And if it wasn't for the network we had established in residency and just at different academy meetings and things like that, we would have really struggled, but we were able to lean on some of those clinical experts when we really had tough cases and it was really helpful and we're so thankful that we had that network. So you never know what can happen, whether it's a worldwide pandemic or, you know, you get put on a, in a satellite office at a school, you really need to be able to lean on on the OMP network that you've established. So again, I'm super appreciative for the, the time I had under your wing and to be able to establish those connections in that network, it really helped
1: me a lot. So thank That's you. Great. Uh, Formally. My yeah. my pleasure. I'm happy to have been a part of it. And uh, yeah, it's hard to even wrap our head around how difficult that period of time was for students and, uh, and for others. And it, it's nice to hear that well, clearly, you know, I've been following your career and, and that of your wife as well. And you guys have clearly come out on top and and really created your own path and your own network. But in response, I mean, what a wonderful thing it is. And despite everything, I think the profession came together very well during that time. I think we had many people who were still willing to support residents during that time. And we're thankful for that and thankful for uh, for the many good people that we have in this profession that are just willing to buy into education. And that education experience so kudos to them as well absolutely
0: um, now building on your connections with students uh, over the years have you ever had a time where you have had a student that has ended up being a, in a productive piece of your network or just a really predominant connection have you had a instance
1: where that happened yeah there's probably too many to list <laughs> to be yeah. honest i've always been so impressed by the people that i've come across as students and i think that this is You know maybe as a student you don't recognize this but but oftentimes we see ourselves both through the eyes of the students and we start to realize wow these guys are so much more talented than i was when i went to school and you start to see these wonderful things and these wonderful connections that build as a result of that yeah i have a very close friend that was actually my student that's where we initially met and we went on to found i think two different companies together Uh, so it was the very first year of teaching his name was Lauren Merkley, a good friend of mine, got into o was in a prosthetics program at Northwestern the very first year I got into teaching. We just found that we had so much in common that we ended up just kind of developing a friendship over the course of that experience. And we've stayed very closely connected afterward. So I know his family quite well, so much so that that connection led to me hiring him on as one of our inaugural faculty at Baylor College of Medicine as well. Uh, He just had all of the right tools and techniques and skill that he needed and ended up being an integral part of actually establishing the residency program that you enjoyed as you were a student here. That was his first role and responsibility as part of that was to actually help establish that and set it up. He didn't have any tools. Uh, He didn't have any expertise. I basically, he was one of those individuals that you could call on and say, we don't have this clearly defined. We don't know exactly what we're doing, but this is the vision and this is the goal. And can you help us do that? And so I find, i found that that friendship, uh, that was formed with one of my former students was invaluable in the development of my career. And then we went on and just with some, some interest in doing some things with product design and development and developing a couple of products together. And it's just been extremely rewarding. I've always seen our students as, uh, yes, we're in a mentoring role for that period of time, but you quickly become peers. You know, at some point you graduate and like I said, we feel like you're so much brighter and and more prepared than we ever were. And so as a result, you become peers and those experiences have been very rewarding. And they've introduced me to their colleagues and and their mentors and and others throughout the years as well. So very, very fun. Yeah, I'm super thankful you were able to have that connection, obviously, with Warren
0: um, because he really impacted a lot of people that have gone through the Baylor program. Uh, and I also think it's a good point to bring up. While this is a O and P rising professional podcast, it's also important for those who have been in the field a little bit longer to understand the impact they have through giving back to their pupils, their mentees, their residents, their students, and how it's impacting you know generations of clinicians. Which ultimately, at the end of the day, is impacting the patients we care for, which, which is why we're all here. So it's really cool to see how these relationships that are forming uh,
1: last for time and time and time. So. Uh, really cool that you were able to share that story. Yeah, what great insight. And I appreciate that you're recognizing that because you are some of the up and coming generation. We expect you to be leading out and, and changing our profession and carrying it forward into the next decade. And uh, it'll be fun to see where you where you get to, along with your peers and your colleagues and the other people that, that are your same stage.
0: Yeah, there's a passionate group of us, that is for sure. I want to circle back to the academy meetings. As a past president, can you describe how important it is for rising professionals to attend these national meetings?
1: Oh, man. Yeah, I think that it's actually difficult to quantify how important it is. I see the academy. If I was going for the first time, why would I go? Honestly, one of the best things that come out, comes out of it is it's a jolt in the arm. You know, you're the doldrums of of the first quarter, and you're just trying to figure out why you're doing this. And let's face it everybody gets burned out some days hopefully that burnout isn't persistent and doesn't last for months at a time but it's very easy to get bogged down in the day-to-day aspects of our job of any job and of any career now there's definitely sparks of brightness and, and really cool things when a patient gets up and walks for the first time and and those things just help to keep everything interesting but for me the academy is is a little bit of an of an outlet it's an opportunity to just be reinvigorated about the work that we're doing because you're surrounded by thousands of other individuals that have similar values, similar approaches. They want to push the profession forward. They want to see things that improve the lives of our patients. And it's, it's really energizing. And so for me, the reason I, I love the academy meeting so much is just this opportunity to just be re-energized, refocused. Obviously, it's super important to stay up to date and to receive education and all of the things that go with that. But perhaps it's the people I meet both within my service in the academy, but also those that I meet at the meeting that provide the most value to me as far as my membership and my participation.
0: Awesome. Yeah, the academy meetings have really impacted me. and I try to go every year because I do find myself meeting new people and learning new things each year I go. And at this point in my career, I'm starting to transition from being just an attendee to being somebody who's a presenter. Can you talk about at what point in your career you made that transition? And do you have any advice for people like myself who are going through similar things?
1: Uh, sure. I'm still making that transition. So in all fairness, <laughs> uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a lifelong commitment. Not only is it a lifelong commitment to just continue to learn and being open, but also just getting engaged and doing something for your profession that's given you so much, that's a lifelong skill and a lifelong commitment. But I do remember you know, certain instances where I've had the opportunity to present or help lead discussions. Honestly, I think the very first ones I was invited to do so. And so you know, kudos go out to those that push you a little bit and help and, and invite you and invite you to get involved. So I wasn't the one that mess- necessarily went out and sought it out on my own. I felt like I had a lot going on, but one thing I did do, and I I feel very fortunate for this, and I think it's both a strength and a flaw at the same time, is I say yes a lot. I always am in in the mode of trying to help somebody, always in the mode of trying to help my peers, but also my patients, and I actually feel like I've been richly rewarded for saying yes in my life when people have invited me to do things. Now, I recognize that not everybody can say yes all the time and I'm trying to balance it a little bit better than maybe I ever have in my life right now. But I do encourage you, when you get invited to do something, obviously somebody sees something in you and sees potential. And so if you don't take advantage of it and you don't say yes, I think you'll miss out on so many different opportunities for growth. The part that I value most about the academy and and presenting and doing all of that is, is really the connection with individuals that I've come across. I think I've developed some lifelong friendships both by serving on the board, but also those that I've presented with. You know, there's lots of people willing to present as you invite them. You know, they feel a connection. They feel a, a sense of, probably a sense of pride, maybe not the right word, but, but people like being invited. And so if you're in a position to do so, you know, I also encourage you to, to invite others. Invite people that maybe wouldn't be on the radar, but that you don't have the skill set, because that will catapult their career, help them to grow, and they'll certainly be indebted to you for that.
0: Yeah. And I definitely find myself being invited to these things. And I have really, like you said, just taking them with open arms and trying to challenge myself to take advantage of these opportunities. And it so far has been very rewarding. And on that note, I would like to invite everybody who, still a plug here, subtle plug. I'd like to invite everybody who's listening to this podcast to please attend the March meeting in Nashville. It'll be a great experience. And you'll be able to meet a lot of rising professionals and those who are more distinguished like Jared. And and establish that network uh, and those connections that will really do well last a lifetime. And Jared, I, I do have a question, uh, kind of a off-the-cuff question here. You know, in, in school, one of our professors, Josh, as you know, would always ask those presenting to us, what is their biggest piece of advice to those getting into the profession? So let's think about those that aren't even rising professionals yet. They're just becoming students.
1: What is your biggest piece of advice for those individuals? Wow. Uh, I actually don't know through all of my years that I've ever been asked that question specifically (laughs) in that way, which is kind of surprising because we do ask it a lot at the school. problem, I think, is that I have so much advice that I could potentially (laughs) give that that Mm. narrowing it down is a little bit more difficult. One of the first things that I would say is, somebody that's just interested, just listening or learning about OMP for the first time, is I would truly tell them that it is a great career. Hands down, I've been doing it for a number of years. i found it fresh and exciting and interesting. I love business and anybody that knows me well would understand that, that, that really, I think probably more like a business person than I maybe do even as a clinician, but uh, love business and, you know, have admired some great CEOs through the years. And I was at a meeting with one of these CEOs and we were chatting about business and business strategy and and some other things. And, you know, we were talking about what I do and my career in prosthetics and orthotics. And he said, wow, he's on some ways I'm very envious. He says, every job becomes a job at some point, but he says, for you, you know, you get to have a job of doing so much good for an individual on a daily basis. That's got to be rewarding. And I sat back and, and just affirmed that and said, yes, absolutely. It is rewarding. And it helped me to reflect, you know, I aspired to be a little bit more like this guy, you know, a little bit more business minded and maybe running my own company at some point. And yet it took me back and caused me to rethink and say, you know what? Yeah, what I do on a daily basis is genuinely rewarding and fun and getting somebody to get up and walk for the first time or helping them get through that or just listening to them and hearing their story can be so amazing. So I'd say first, first piece of advice that I'd give is this is a, this is a cool career. You should definitely uh, put your heart and soul into it. Second piece of advice. Sorry, I know you asked for one. And second piece of advice that I would give is just to invite them to go all in. If you're going to become part of this profession, own it, be proud of it, be part of it, and then spend the time to make it a little bit better, not only for yourself and for the people that you treat, but do something to give back. Do something to help people that wouldn't have access to this kind of care to have access, but if there's something that you see that can be improved, take action. I think you'll find that a lot of people will be in step with you and will share that vision with you. And that is how you'll make a real difference. So get engaged, be a participant. Don't just check in and check out and and treat it as a job because it is so, so much more than that.
0: Absolutely. And I've always kind of tried to embody the perspective that if there is a need, you need to fill the need. And I think that's really helped me in my career, just kind of jump on opportunities. And it's helped me really grow personally and professionally. So I, I want to echo that as well. Uh, And yes, our profession is awesome. And uh, there's so many different ways that you can give back. And there's so many different ways that that profession can give right back to you. And It is important to do those self-reflections because there are days when you do get tired and you do get exhausted from the grind. But uh, all it takes is thinking about that one patient or that one instance where you really change somebody's life. And you really can reflect and realize that what you're doing and the work you are doing Uh, is making an impact on these people's lives. So thank you for sharing that, Jared. And that's actually all I had for you today. So I really just wanted to thank you for joining us on this podcast today. Uh, You've been very insightful and you've shared a lot of perspectives that I think will really help shape the futures of rising professionals and those who are to become rising professionals. So thank you again. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for setting this up and thanks for accommodating us. Awesome. And thanks everyone for listening to the inaugural episode of O&P Clinical Care Insiders. Join us each month as we continue our conversation with seasoned OMP professionals as they share candid insights on topics relevant to those interested in starting on the right foot when it comes to a career in OMP. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to check out the Academy's other podcasts for OMP professionals, the award-winning OMP Research Insights with Dr. Steve Garth and OMP Clinical Insiders with Academy Scientific Society's Chair, Seth O'Brien a podcast created for conversations on specific areas of clinical care. For more information on the American Academy of Orthodox and Prosthetists, visit us online at ONP.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.